A number of years ago, there was a documentary on that uh, talked about a herd of elephants in a preserve in Kenya. And this particular elephant herd was having a problem. There were no males present in the herd. And the young, who had young males in the herd, had grown up and had grown to such a size that these young males were virtually full-grown and terrorizing the herd. And they didn't know what to do. They couldn't stop it. And then, in an amazing turn of events, the wildlife refuge rangers went out and brought in one bull elephant to have a male adult figure in the herd. And within a matter of days, the young males were in line and no longer terrorizing the mothers, and the herd was doing just fine. Does that sound familiar? Maybe not the elephant part, but... It strikes me that the other details are all too often descriptions of families today, neighborhoods today, schools today. Where in an absence of adult males, dads who are missing in action, the young are out of control. In this sermon series, um, one of the top challenges facing families today, based on a survey of families nationally, is absent fathers. How do we get to that place? Well, I think we made a mistake. Um, We came to a conclusion that dad's importance to the family was sort of a, a remote role. What did it mean to be a good dad? Well, to supply an income. So there was a roof over the head and food on the table. And if dad did that, he was doing a good job. I know that's how my dad was raised. That's what he was taught. That's what it meant to be a good dad. And maybe available as that outside authority figure to be brought in if extreme discipline was needed or protection was needed in some sense. But all of that, you see, set us up to allow that as our economy changed from a rural economy to an industrial economy, and Dad left the farm and went off to work, nobody thought that would be significant. Never realizing the importance that Dad had had in the family as he worked on the farm with the family, And the family ate meals together and worked together. And we removed dad and thought everything would be just fine. And that trend continues today as dads not only work, but in all honesty as they go off to play with their adult toys. And after all, raising kids is woman's work. And somehow we've said that's okay, and now the newest trend is that we don't even need dads. And through fertilization, women can have their own babies, and why would you need a dad? But in all of those conclusions, we need to honestly face the situation that has resulted. What has happened to our culture, our families, our nation, 
as dads have become more and more absent. And that's what's happened. Dads are absent. That's what this series was about, the, the, the survey item on the survey. Here's some statistics, and these aren't the most current. 32% of children today live without their biological father. That means 27 million kids are growing up without dad. Single-parent homes, in 1960, made up 9% of the homes in our country. In 1996, they made up a third. A third of the homes were single-parent homes. Out of that situation, those statistics, families and children are suffering. Now, this may be too heavy a load, dads, but it is the scientific, provable reality, and so we have to face it. If dad is absent, if dad is a non-player in a child's life, here's the impact. Every one of these is impacted. The, the statistics of experiencing poverty, drug and alcohol abuse, physical health problems, emotional problems, criminal behavior, lack of success in school, sexual activity, teenage pregnancy. Statistically, it is provable all of those go up when dad is not present. And yet we have a nation where increasingly dad is not present. I found this fascinating, this quote. I wanted to share it with you. It's from Dr. Kyle Pruitt who is one of the leaders at the Yale Child Center. This is not a Christian university. This is not a Christian speaking. This is someone who simply analyzes families and what's happening. Here's what he says. If you want to reduce gang membership, teen pregnancy, dropping out of school, abuse and neglect of children, and substance abuse, you can do it by engaging fathers early and often in the lives of their children. The rest of the quote, we know this, we know this from science. We know it makes sense, it's not easy, but it absolutely works. It works on these problems like aspirin on a headache. And our failure to connect the dots here with what we know is a huge unfinished problem and our children's needs absolutely deserve for us to stop fooling around and fix this. That's what a secular expert's saying when dad is absent. Now I want to be clear on one point here. We're not talking about physical presence as much as we are talking about emotional involvement. And here's why I want to stipulate that. I am sure there are some of you here today who have experienced divorce in your families and dads who may not have active um, physical living in the same house with your kids. And I wanted to be very clear on this because that physical presence is not the key issue we're talking about here. And my point is you can be emotionally involved with your kids whether you are allowed to live in the same home with them or not. 
And the other reason I wanted to say that, because the opposite is also true. There are uh, all kinds of ways you can be physically living in the same home as your children and not be emotionally involved in their lives. A number of years ago, I was frequenting a McDonald's in a different city. And I'd stop by for breakfast and get a cup of coffee and sit down for a little bit. And there was a dad and his, I think, probably six-year-old daughter who always came in for breakfast. And I, it was always a spiritual challenge for me to not go just slug the dad. Because he'd come in every morning with his daughter and buy breakfast. And I'm sure if you'd ask him later, he says, oh yeah, I had, I had breakfast with my daughter. The problem is with that paper, he always bought, uh, with his breakfast, he always bought the paper. And I'd watch them at the same table, and he'd open his paper, and the entire meal, sit there and read the paper, and his daughter was by herself on the other side of the table eating her breakfast. And, and I just wanted to go rip the paper out of his hand every morning and say, that's your daughter over there. Forget the paper. Talk to her. So you can be physically present and not emotionally involved. And all of the statistics that I've quoted points to the same thing. You can be physically separated and still be emotionally involved with your children and have the same impact. So that's what we're talking about today. And I did not want to go further in this sermon with anybody sitting there saying, well, it's hopeless for me because I cannot be physically present with my kids. It is not hopeless for you. And certainly it's ideal if both are true. But the bottom line, the main point, is that we need to be emotionally involved with our kids. Now, I want to stipulate one other thing here. And I promised dads last week in my semi-emotional meltdown that I was not going to beat dads with a ball bat today. And I want to try and honor that. Because you see, I think dads are good guys. I'm a little biased, but I still think dads are good guys. I think dads have a heart. I don't think we have a nation full of just totally uncaring, heartless slobs out there who happen to also be fathers. I really don't. Are there some out there? Sure. I, I, yeah, there are. But I think in most cases, dads care. I really believe that. I believe dads want to love their children. And they want to be loved by their children. I think most dads want to be part of a loving marriage. I think they want to do the right thing. I don't think there's many dads that wake up today and say, I want to be a bad father today. You know, my goal is to be a bad dad. I don't think most dads do that. I think they want to help their kids grow up. I think they want to be a part of a healthy family. I think they want to be needed. I don't think dads want to be seen as the banker with the checkbook. I think they want to see themselves as having an important role in their families, in their kids' lives. And that's why I think, that's why I say for all of these reasons, I think dads do care. I don't think dads want to be the problem. I just think there's a lot of dads who don't know how. 
they're doing the best they can. That's a whole journey I had to take with my dad, and he was dead, so I couldn't even talk to him about it. My dad was the poster child. He was raised, you provided for the family. And he worked on the farm for most of what I, my memories of him, and I have two memories of my dad. Working on the farm or asleep in his lazy boy recliner in the living room. And that's my two memories. He went hunting once with me, and that was because mom made him. And I still remember it. And if he went on a picnic, it was because mom made him. His opinion was, I'm outside with ants all the time. I don't need to eat with them when I don't have to. And there was a period I went through in my life when I was mad at my dad. Of course, he was dead, so that was a little more complicated. But I finally had to reach a point, you know, my dad knew, did everything he knew to do. Knew to do. We always had a roof over our table, our, our lives. We had food on the table. And, and he was faithful to mom. And that's what he'd been taught to do, and he did it. I think there's a lot of dads doing that today. Not sure what else to do. I'm doing what I know to do. Work hard, bring home a paycheck, pay the bills. But we understand today a lot more about the family. And that there's more needed than just paying the bills and putting food on the table. And that's really what this sermon is about. And while dads, I said I wouldn't come after you with a ball bat, I will throw down a challenge. And that's what I want to do today. It's time for us as dads to understand how important our role is, how desperately our families need us, and to step up to the plate and be dads. Be the dad that God needs us to be as he created the family structure with a mom and a dad, male and female. That's God's challenge. There's two verses that I want us to look at. In, in a lot of, uh, several of his letters that Paul wrote, he, he had a section about the home. Interestingly enough, in Ephesians and Colossians, he has almost the exact same command of the fathers, but he uses a different word. And I want to look at both verses for a little bit because they sort of have a little different aspect of the challenge God gives us as fathers. Now in the Ephesians passage, Paul says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. The concept there of the word that Paul uses in Ephesians is to... To not frustrate your children because of unreasonable demands. To set up so that your kids are constantly frustrated, constantly resentful of you because you're how you're the, because of how you're the father. So they're just always angry because of how you're being the dad. The rules you're putting on them. I think we always have to watch ourselves and dad and say, is every one of my encounters with my kids a battle? And if that's the case, then somewhere as the parent, as the adult, I need to back off and say, maybe some of this is how I'm being the dad. Paul says, don't let that happen. Where every encounter is, dad, you're just the one of exasperating your kids. 
And I understand what a trap there is there to say as the dead, well, if they just listened to me, we wouldn't have this problem. I'm all for that too. It's just not reality. The truth is sometimes it's how we're being the father. Now in Colossians, Paul used a little, a little different word. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. The, the literal word that Paul uses there is to lose heart. And, and the, the little different shading that Paul's using there is that don't be the kind of dad who is so constantly down on your kids, they give up because they cannot win. The standards are so high or the expectations are so unrealistic, it's guaranteed before the game begins that I'm going to lose the game. I won't do it right. I won't be good enough. I won't do enough. And that if we're that way as dads, somewhere the kids say, I'm not going to try anymore. Because dad is so on me. Paul says, don't do that, dads, because your kids will give up. They'll become discouraged. Dads, you're needed. Your role is so important. On three areas, you're needed, or four. First of all, mom needs you. Your wives need you. To share the challenge, the hard work of parenting, share the stress... When kids are little, it's sharing the, the physical fatigue. When they're older, it's sharing the emotional fatigue to help to carry that load. Be a friend. Share her life. Be her lover. Put some romance in her life. Be an adult companion who talks about adult things and treats her with respect. Help her grow as a person. Mom needs you, Dad. Not only does Mom need you, Dad, your son needs you. He needs to see what it means to be a man. He needs to see how to be a friend with other guys and with women. He needs to see what strength in the face of adversity looks like. And how in the world you do that. How in the world you keep going to work, you keep doing what you need to do, maybe not what you want to do. That's not something you learn in a classroom. That's something you learn by watching Dad. And he needs to see that. He needs to see how men are friends with each other and how men should treat women. And dad, this may be an awesome burden, but he needs to understand what God looks like. And a big piece of that picture will become from how he sees you and how you treat him. And not just his picture of God, but how he responds to authority in general will to a large degree come from how he watches you an authority figure and how you deal with authority figures. And your son needs to learn all of those lessons, and he's going to learn them from you, Dad. But one of the things research is teaching us, and I think if I stopped right there, traditionally we'd be saying, okay, dads are done. But we're really getting our eyes open today that just as much as your son needs you, Dad, your daughter needs you. 
your daughter needs you to figure out what in the world are men about. Good luck, Dad, teacher. No, she needs to see a model of manhood and how men should treat her and what it means to have a healthy friendship with men. She needs your model of figuring out that relationship thing with the opposite sex and how to relate to men in healthy ways. And lacking that, that is why teenage pregnancy among girls with absent dads is so high. Because they didn't have a dad to teach them how to relate to men in healthy ways. She too needs to learn from you what God's all about. And what authority is all about. And how her husband should treat her. She's going to look to how you treated mom so daughters need you and one of the things that was stressed in so much of the research I looked at this week for this sermon is dads are not just mom's substitute we always joked about that when our kids were little we called it tag team parenting I'd walk in and Peggy said tag you're it I'm out of here I need a break or we do it the opposite way. You take them. I can't handle this discussion. And that's a, that's, that's a great idea. I, I don't downplay that. But I think too often we've created this image that mom's the real parent. And we need dad around because sometimes mom is just in overhead and she needs a sub. But that's wrong. And, and part of what we're coming to understand today is each person, each parent, mom and dad, both contribute uniquely to what our kids need. And that's why if one is absent and the other just works extra hard, it's fine. It's not. Now sometimes that's the cards we're dealt and we're going to have to deal with that. But we can't back away from the concept that I think God has laid out that we each have something to add to the meal. Dads, you provide things mom cannot. Interestingly enough, the dad has a bigger impact, based on research, the dad has a bigger impact on both the boys and the girls figuring out gender roles. Bigger impact than moms. Dads play different. Every young mom says, oh yeah, oh. Dad's just wacko with the kids. And there were times Peggy would like, Jim, stop it. We're playing. But the thing that I felt vindicated in is the research that says dads are supposed to play different than moms do. And the interesting thing is how dads play with kids is teaching their kids one set of things. And how moms play with their kids is teaching the kids a different set of things. And that they're supposed to act differently around the kids. Dads, I hope I'm helping some of you get off the hook. It's okay when you act different than mom thinks you should. We have a different thing we're trying to add. Dads, you're needed. Well, how do we do this? How do we be that good dad? Can I go through some hats? I've listed them there in the notes. They're the things that we need to contribute 
to our kids' lives, to our family, as we are the Father. And I just want to quickly go through them. None of these are going to shock you, but I want to list them because they're each important. Even though I talked about this in a negative way, one of the roles of the Father is often, it is the provider. To see that our kids have what they need. Not just so they have what they need. The importance of this provider role is that it is out of that that kids feel security. I'm going to have food next week. I'm going to have clothes to wear next year. That gives a child a sense of, it's okay. My world is secure. That doesn't mean it has to have a house at a certain value or a car at a certain value. It just means the basics are covered. Dad is providing. Another role is to be friend. Sometimes, Dad, make sure you're fun. I think sometimes as Dad, we get either we get so intent on what we're doing or we're so tired from what we've been doing We're never fun. And dad, if that's true of you, I want to really challenge you to find some ways, some time that you realize, I need to lighten up and be fun. And if that means you need to get the kids and go away from the home because you can't quit working on chores, or or whatever it is, if you need to take off work an hour or two earlier so you're not so tired, but you need to make sure there's some time when you're fun. And some of you with young kids may say, well, you know, and I was that way. I was, my, I have one sister, she was 11 years older. I was raised as an only child. My little cousins will tell you that when they came over, I went to my bedroom and I locked the door. I, I hated little kids. And I just didn't even want to be around them. And Peggy and I had long talks when we started talking about having children because I was terrified that I was going to hate my own kids. And not know what to do with them. And so when, when that first baby came, I was like, oh, what do you do? I'd never changed a diaper. Are you kidding? I had no idea. Hold a baby, give them a bottle. But the wonderful things about kids is they'll teach you. Just get on the floor. They'll teach you how to play. Just give them some time at a park. They'll teach you how to play. They'll teach you how to fun, have fun. Just let them. Give them an opportunity. And you don't need a ton of stuff. You can have a pot and a pan. You can have a stick and, and a mud puddle. They'll teach you how to play. Take them to the mega mall. And give them your morning. Without commentary on where they go and what they look at. They'll teach you. Be a source of fun. Be a caregiver. Help with the chores. You see, doing the chores, helping give care to the family, is one way we communicate love. So if we don't help out with that, we're really communicating a negative message of not caring. So whether that is changing a diaper, and I know they get bad, buck up, guys. 
I mean, I've been in way worse manure than diapers. It's okay. You'll live. Whatever that may involve. Babysitting. Be part of the caregiving team. The next one is be, be a teacher. Oftentimes, this isn't about words as much as it is modeling. Helping them understand life and what life is about and what works and what doesn't. What's important and what's not important. Part of that, they're going to learn that from you if they're with you. If they're rubbing shoulders with you, they're going to learn that as you live life with them. But as you're living life together, don't hesitate to talk about the situation you're in. What's going on? What you're doing? What's important? What you're thinking about? Because all of those ways you're teaching them, and they're going to have to be an adult and deal with that same stuff. We talked about this last week on discipline. We need to talk about life with our kids so they learn what life is about. Don't shield them so much they don't learn about the real world and the real life as you wrestle with it. Be one of their best teachers. And I would add, talk about the news. Talk about current events with them. Let them learn to think as an adult as you wrestle with who should we vote for, what is the important issue in this election, why. They need to hear Dad talk about that. Try not to rant too much. Just talk. Why is this important? Why do I feel strongly about this? Why do I disagree with that other viewpoint? Yes, Dad, there is a role for you to be, the mon- be a monitor. Ooh, not the monitor. A monitor. Discipline is a team effort. Please understand that. That is the TV stereotype, isn't it? Wait till your father gets home. Dads, don't, don't let that be set up. Moms, don't do that to dad. Discipline is a team. Two people speaking with one voice. But both are needed. Both need to help build the boundaries we talked about last week. And you need to support each other in what those boundaries are. Be a, be a protector. Your kids need you to be that, Dad. Make sure your child has a safe environment. Whether that's where they're going to school or where they're living or how they behave in the neighborhood and help them learn how to be safe. We live in a world that is not always safe. Dad, you need to help somebody learn how to do that. Teach them about dangers and how to deal with it. Sort of tied to that is be their advocate. Make sure that your child has somebody sticking up for them. That they know that if everybody turns against them, you will be there. One of the primary ways that shows is in schools. Are you there with your children as an advocate for them? especially if your kids are in the public school. One of the things research has found is 
the odds of your child being successful in school academically, athletically, socially, all of that is directly tied to is dad involved with my school? Does he come to parent-teacher conferences? Does he sit in my games and cheer? Is he there if I have a play or a performance? If there's an opportunity for somebody to go along on a field trip, does my dad ever do that? All of those things, Dad, if you will be there as, as in their corner for them, and they know that, the odds of your kids being successful in school just skyrockets to the top. That's part of what you need to do, Dad. And the last thing is be a resource for them. Sort of being there as, a, as to help them, what do they need? It may be what you got stored away in the garage and they needed to fix a grade school project. Be a resource. But it may be who you know. They need help with this. Well, I don't know how to do that, but I do have a friend who knows how to do that. And that dad is a resource to help them get in touch with what they need or a person or a situation or a place or a thing, whatever. Be a resource. I want to close by sharing something I ran across this week that I thought was just awesome. Championship Fathers. I'd heard of the place, and that's actually why I went there. It's called the National Center for Fathering. If you've ever heard, you've seen on the news the National Father of the Year in Minnesota. They pick every year a Father of the Year. That's sponsored by the National Center for Fathering. I think they're out of Nebraska. It's a Christian organization created out of the very need we're talking about today and absent fathers. It's been going about 10, 15 years. Phenomenal organization. But they have just recently launched their campaign for championship fathers. They are trying to get 10% of the dads in the U.S. to make a commitment to be a championship father. You can actually go to their website, you sign up and say, I will make that commitment. And then they, they, you register so they are in email touch with you. Their goal, 10% of the fathers in the U.S. would be 6.5 million dads saying, I'll be a championship dad. Here's what it is to be a championship dad. It's really pretty simple. I will love my children. And I will do that in a way that demonstrates that love in action as well as words without condition without condition I will coach my children try and look at them and who they are and how to encourage them and teach them as any coach would individually look at the players on his team I will coach my children I will model for my children in how I live and taking them with me as I live life, I will try to be a model to my children. I will encourage other children. I love this. There's a lot of dads, a lot of kids dying for a dad. I may not be able to change their father and how he behaves, but I can notice that kid. Give them a word of encouragement cheer them on, even from just a moment, be a good dad to them. And the last thing is that I will enlist other dads to just make the same commitment, to be a championship dad. 
I got so emotional last week just because I see the impact dads have. For good or bad. And it's so important, dads. I've tried to communicate that today. And you don't have to be perfect. Please don't go out of here thinking that. And you're never done being a dad. I don't care how old you are, you are still a dad if you got kids. Just how you're a dad may look a little different. Your kids still need you. But you can do it. You can be a championship dad. Just step up to the plate and do your best. That's all your kids need. There's never been a perfect dad. There never will be. Kids don't need perfect dads. They just need dads who will step up to the plate and be the best dad they can be. Be that dad. Let's pray. Father, we are also thankful that we have you as the one perfect father and that you are always there for us. But Father, today I especially lift up the dads in this room. There's not one who's always done it right. And I'm sure there's a lot sitting here right now regretting some things they've done or not done. But Father, help them understand that they don't have to be perfect. And that whatever has happened in the past doesn't matter. Only what happens tomorrow matters. And they can begin today being a better dad. Father, there's a lot of good dads in this room who are already doing all that we've talked about. And we just want to celebrate them today. And commend them for being good dads. And Father, help us rub shoulders as dads so we can learn from each other. And if we're not the best dad, we can talk to the good dads around us and learn from them. Father, I pray we will be a church full of good dads. And that guys who come here will learn how to be good dads. And again, we thank you that we have in you the perfect Father. In your Son's name. Climbs in my lap for a good night hug He calls me dad and I call him bub With his faded old pillow and a bear named Pooh He snuggles up close and says I want to be like you I tuck him in bed and I kiss him goodnight Tripping over the toys as I turn out the light I whisper a prayer and someday he'll see He's got a father in God cause he's seen Jesus in me Lord I wanna be just like you Cause he wants to be just like me I wanna be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see 
Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I want to be just like you, because he wants to be like me. Gotta admit, I got so far to go. Make so many mistakes, and I'm sure that you know. Sometimes it seems, no matter how hard I try, with all the pressures in life, I just can't get it all right. But I'm trying so hard to learn from the best, to be patient and kind, filled with your tenderness. Cause I know that he'll learn from the things that he sees And the Jesus he finds will be the Jesus in me Lord, I want to be just like you Cause he wants to be just like me I want to be a holy example For his innocent eyes to see Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I want to be just like you, because he wants to be like me. Right now, from where he stands, I may seem mighty tall. But it's only cause I'm learning from the best father of them all. Lord, I want to be just like you, cause he wants to be just like me. I want to be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see. Help me be a living Bible, Lord. For my little boy to read I want to be just like you Cause he wants to be like me I want to be just like you Cause he wants to be like me privilege to be a dad. Dad, thanks for being there. Um, we just need to pray again. Will you stand with me? Be close. Father, thank you for the privilege of fatherhood. I pray your blessing on every dad in this room this week that they would be challenged but also encouraged they can be a good dad go with them father bless them and help them be the good dads they want to be in jesus name amen